0: This is the Watch Geek Time Podcast.
1: Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Watch Geek Time. This is the WatchGeekTime.com podcast. It's a conversation about heritage, history, And why we're so hooked on horology. Sit back and relax because we're going to talk about everything from watches to watches. The WatchGeekTime.com podcast is recorded live on Saturdays from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. Pacific Time. I don't know what time zone you are listening to this show, but I am your host, and in-house watch geek Scott Goldman on the boards as always is... Hey, it's Jody. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Doing good.
0: You know what? What? Doing good. It was funny, I was just, um, it was uh, this morning I opened up the, uh, the jewellery cabinet and I've got my watches sitting there and mm-hmm. I've, I've, been, I've been consistent and every day any watches that need winding, I wind them up, mm-hmm. even if I'm not using them. And I just realized I brought the Martin Braun today, mm-hmm. but I noticed. I thought, hang on, I don't remember the last time I set the time on this, mm-hmm. and I think it was like two or three weeks ago. I thought I compared it to a, a you know a digital reference, like mm-hmm. accurate time, mm-hmm. and I kid you not, it's probably off by half a minute. I'm like. <laughs>
1: You mean just keeping it wound for two weeks? Just keeping it wound. Not wearing it. Every day. Which, up or down a half minute, do you know? Is it fast a half
0: minute? It's behind.
1: Very interesting. So I'm going to guess, because the doxa movement should be a chronometer movement, which is 30 seconds sitting in a drawer is really good. Okay. Keeping it fully wound. First of all, the real test would be, did it get a full wind every day? Yeah. So was it running? Did it have a constant master spring you know was the main spring fully wound
0: yeah i would wind it to its full every day every morning i was doing it all right so
1: 30 seconds in a couple weeks is pretty amazing for a watch that's 100 years (laughs) old years old yeah
0: yeah so i was quietly uh happy with that
1: well it's kind of cool because you know you think about some of these watches that are old like today i am wearing a icon an icon doozy i
0: know i was i was quite i was looking at that jump
1: hour with how, a wandering minute. Here, I'm, gonna, it feel? I'm gonna pass it over to you. It feels great here. I'll pass it over to you. What do you think of that?
0: That's beautiful. And I'm a car enthusiast, and I just love how uh there is that that automotive DNA. Oh, Jonathan built just into that. Been, the, the a, design a languages. Job. Yeah. How they about got, the
1: how about the gold lizard on the rotor?
0: Yeah, the little gecko. Yeah. That well, that's his icon logo. That's too. the logo, yeah. And uh it's it's Actually, that's really cool because yeah. I haven't seen any um, rotors done that way. Usually they'll, they'll machine them with their logo or something, but this isn't like an apple.
1: Very unique watch. There's only yeah. 50 of them. And you know what's truly amazing is all the other companies that happen to have released Jump Hour watches this year, the likes of which include IWC, Jacques Adreau. Yeah. A yeah. whole bunch of Jump Hour watches came out this year. That's a beautiful dress watch. I love it. I'm glad you like it. Yeah, that's so good. It came out good. Shout out to Jonathan Ward of Icon, 4x4. Beautiful watch, my brother. Reach us on the Twitter at WatchGeekTime, hashtag W-A-W-T, W-A-Y-W-T, excuse me, hashtag W-A-Y-W-T. What are you wearing today? Make, model, and reference number if you know it. Topics for our show. Hey, Jody, it's our 70th episode. Oh my God. wow. I guess that's that's good to be wearing an icon doozy. And as Jody noted, it's number one out of 50 marked on the back. Yeah. We're going to talk about the new arrivals from elementintime.com. Let me have that back, please. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I'm going to... Something caught my eye this week, Jody, about how Richmond is spending loads of Swiss francs buying back their own inventory. Very interesting little piece I want to go over. Okay. Uh, This week, our brand focus is not necessarily a focus, but we're going to do a little history about Breguet and his association with who was essentially the architect of the French Revolution, Jean-Paul Marat. Mm. Without Breguet, there's no Marat, and without Marat, there's maybe no Breguet. Anyways, we'll get to that. We're also, uh, Jody's going to take us through a quick rundown of Brigade's inventions. At, uh, yeah. You got yeah, that we're one there? Yeah, check that out. Yeah. And, but first, we got some email, Jody. Email?
0: Okay. So, we got the first email here. Yeah. This one is from Steve Wrigley from uh, uh, Streamwood in Illinois, and he writes in Discord. And Jody, I am an avid listener of the show and very much enjoy the segment when you talk about the bargains that can be found purchasing secondhand timepieces. Uh, I have even purchased watches from both the Real, Real and ElementInTime.com on your recommendations. I was curious if either of you uh, ever sell watches from your own collection and who would you utilize for the consignment?
1: Mm, well, I mean, we all, those of us who have a lot of watches, we tend to thin the herd every now and again, right? Um, so in answer to your question, Mr. Wrigley... I am actually selling one of my watches right now. It is a Jaeger-LeCoultre, eight day. It's a Master Eight Day perpetual calendar in Hang platinum. On. I
0: did offer to uh, babysit it for a while.
1: Well, it, see, here's the problem. There's no babysitting <laughs> that watch, Joe. You can you can purchase it, but we're going to be going to commercial about every ten or fifteen seconds, if that's a, you know. But the point is, yes, I, I've sold many of my watches. I like to use if, if it's something I don't think is very expensive, I like eBay. Uh if it's something I think is going to need a lot of attention, meaning it's gonna need I, I need to cast a wide net. I like uh, Chrono 24. Hmm. I like uh the real real. Watch you seek. I like watch, watch you seek. I've never used them, but I think they got good inventory. I also like elementandtime.com. They're actually consigning my Master 8-Day yeah, yeah. Perpetual right now. Yeah. So, hey, if you want my Master 8-Day Perpetual in, in Platinum, my Zhaja Leculte, it's uh, over there at elementintime.com, which Jody's going to tell us about the hotties. I yeah. love that blue dial luminor, but we're yeah. not there yet. Yeah. I hope that answered his question. We got sidetracked. Okay, yeah. go.
0: Yeah. And the uh, second one here is from uh, Ron Hosek, or Hosek, from... Uh, Is that Topeka or Topeka? Topeka. Topeka, Kansas. Ron writes, Dear Scott and Jody, my question is a simple one. Why
1: are box and papers so important? Well, you know, Ron, my answer is a simple one. Provenance. It's always great to have box and papers because it guarantees the provenance of the item. In this case, a watch. When thieves break into your home, they generally do not go seeking boxes and papers Mm. which are usually kept in a closet and if you're a watch collector like myself you have a special closet (laughs) (laughs) we talk about this on the watch blog a lot jody there's a big whole there's a guy who keeps taking pictures of his ever-growing closet (laughs) of boxes so i guess if somebody broke into his house all the provenance is at least in one place simple answer is you know what, Scott?
0: just on that too um i guess the, the in this day and age you would actually have some um, digital sort of form like um, the cards. I know um, Breitling do it. I'm sure Rolex are probably. Ulysses
1: Nardin do does it. Rolex does it. As a matter of fact, you can even report a Rolex stolen and I don't think they'll work on it if it's an authorized it, It'll
0: get flagged. It should get flagged. You it, it used
1: to. Okay. And next.
0: Okay. So the third email is from uh, Nancy Caramelli or Caramai. Carmeli, Car- Carmeli. So from Newberry Park, Ooh, Park you're, California. You're part of town. Yeah, this Scott and Jody. My father is turning seventy this year, and we uh, all want to get him something special to commemorate the event. My dad's not a big watch guy per se, but we have all settled on the idea of getting him a Rolex. I wanted to ask the watch geek, uh, which Rolex would you get for your dad's seventieth?
1: Hmm, my dad.
0: I mean, does he wear silver or gold jewelry? You can start with colors and then hone in. You know, my
1: dad would love, it depends, but my, I think my dad would love like an older Daytona, which would be expensive. I think he'd probably never take it off. But I also think he, for your dad, I think the new Air King is just fantastic. Mm. Oof, the new Air King, Mm-mm. beautiful size, smooth, clean. I'm going with the Air King which I if I got for my dad for his 80th which is coming up he'd never take that off either
0: yeah
1: it'd be special it, whatever you get him whichever rolex i promise you it will be very special
0: yeah okay so that's uh,
1: really nice Nancy get your dad a rolex i, I hope there's nice. several of you pitching in on it so
0: uh, what else we got the, the the fourth one here is uh, from Ted Kleinman from uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And Ted writes in, Dear Scott and Jody, uh, why do companies still use uh, antiquated rose-turning engines instead of a more updated tooling, such as like CNC machines, etc.?
1: Well, you know, it's a, it's a very good question. Um, well... I guess if you're going for the hardcore artisan traditional way of watchmaking you want tools that were used 150 200 years ago that produce these very unique sort of decoration or a, and, and it's funny Jody because I try to tell people that decoration didn't used to be decoration it used yeah. to be practicality you know like uh, the scoring on the outside of a watch case
0: I remember you telling yeah. me about that it's to add grip because it was slippery
1: exactly so the 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 actual uh, you know rose turning on the outside of the metal yeah. was to to keep it from being slick Can, so
0: if I'm correct ironically I think you mentioned that brigade was one of the in the forefront of doing that sort of stuff. Oh, too. absolutely. Because people
1: were complaining and watches kept coming back to him that needed to be repaired, which is why he developed this uh, parachute escapement, which you'll tell us about okay. it. Yeah. thunder. <laughs> hey, if you've got, uh, well, that's why, by the way, that's why CNC machines are cool, but they can't do what a rose turning engine can do. Hope that answered his question. Yeah. I've been kind of loose on the answers. Questions or comments, please email us, Scott at WatchGeekTime.com or Jody at WatchGeekTime.com. Tweet us on the Twitter at WatchGeekTime on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Picks. That's P I X. And of course, the website is WatchGeekTime.com. Hey, Jody. Yeah. This is the WatchGeekTime.com podcast.
2: 15 seconds of smart. So, you want to drive more safely. Stop eating. Take deep breaths. Avoid bad weather. Get eight hours. Turn it down. And, of course, talk to farmers. Hi. Hi. We are farmers.
0: And now, here's the watch geek, Scott Goldman. It's the time of the season love runs high in this time give it to
1: me easy and let me try with pleasure welcome back to watch geek time this is the watch geek podcast i am your in-house watch geek scott goldman and on the boards as always is hey, it's jody I love this song. It's (laughs) it's (laughs)
2: great.
1: Um, Photographs of the watches we mention on the show can be found on our Instagram page. Watch geek time picks. That's Instagram.com slash watch geek time picks. P I X tweet us on the Twitter at watch geek time. Use the hashtag W A Y W T. What are you wearing today? Give us a wrist shot, make and model and reference if you know it. And now Jody, let's talk about the new goodies from, uh, Giddy up I- yeah, element gonna, in the car, we got a nice... Elementintime.com.
0: Uh, yeah, Element in Time. They've got a uh, beautiful Panerai Luminor here. Blue dial. 44 millimeter. And uh, this one's titanium. Blue dial. Yeah. Actually, it's cool. I really like great. it. Yeah. It's got like a retrograde power reserve on the front, which I... Which I don't like. Yeah, I don't see that often. And it's got the... Um, the date it through, through. And a solid bad. case back.
1: Yeah. So that's so, an um, older watch. <clears throat> that
0: one's going for 7650
1: It's a good deal. What was the original list price? Uh,
0: They don't have it. <laughs> so, because it's NLA probably.
1: No longer available.
0: So the next one here, we've got another Panerai R- Redmi. And um, this one's a special edition Oro Bianco. Orobiano. It's a forty-seven millimeter. Actually, it looks it's it's military. Actually. Well, they call that a California
1: <clears throat> dial. Just so you know. Okay. It has a mix of Arabic and Roman numerals, <clears throat> with a triangle marker at twelve and a dash marker at six.
0: And it's eighteen karat white gold. It's beautiful, isn't it? On, yeah.
1: Now this watch is actually really special, and look what it doesn't have at three.
0: That's right. It's straight hours and minutes. Now it's big That's at
1: it. forty-seven minute millimeters, but there's not even a second hand on the watch. It's not
0: even automatic. It's no. um, it's a manual wind. It's it is in eighteen karat gold.
1: And it has probably an eight day movement in it.
0: But um, very nice. Looking good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the
1: price? Pro-
0: Please inquire. Ah, but I will admit, retail it was twenty five thousand four hundred. Right. Rare too. So. Uh, Okay, oh, another one. Oh, yeah, it's Panerai Week. Radomir. This one's the uh, 1943 Days uh, 47 millimeter. Now, notice
1: it's a Radomir, but the crown is not your typical Radomir like the watch just previous to it. Right. It's the new movement crown that's more tucked into the case. Beautiful, beautiful. Three-day movement, 47 millimeter, another big watch from Panerai. What my mom used to call a three-table watch, Jody. Yeah, because you could see it from three, three tables. tables away. Yeah. So uh,
0: yeah, this one's got a leather strap as well, brown leather straps. What Check. does it
1: have at three o'clock there? Your favorite date. Yeah. Next. <laughs> How much? This
0: one's uh, retail for seven thousand seven hundred. There, it is going for five thousand seven two five. They're
1: very nice. Two grand off. Probably probably, what's either a very lightly worn, if not worn at all, watch. Yeah, very nice. ElementinTime.com. Ooh, Ooh so, Daytona in white gold.
0: White gold, 18 carat, 40 millimeter.
1: With, Meteorite uh, dial.
0: Yeah, check it out. Oh, so this one's... Um, but that's
1: not the new one.
0: No, and the bracelet's even 18 carat white gold. Does it have the year there, Jody? Um... I'd, don't see it.
1: So how much is it?
0: Okay, so retail, it was 41700 It's going for $27,800.
1: Uh, if you want a Daytona and you're looking one, uh, looking for one in white gold, that's a great deal at elementintime.com. I don't know if that's a deal of the week.
0: Okay, Next. So it was, uh, just on that, it was, uh, it's <sighs> 2009. I can I just
1: Ah, it. so yeah. it does have a Rolex movement in it, ah. meaning that if it was pre-2000, it would have a Zenith movement in it. Okay. Next.
0: All right, so we got a Longines Conquest, eighteen gun. Look at
1: that funky!
0: That's wild. It's a automatic. Um, it's a thirty-five millimeter, nineteen sixties. It looks it's looks incredibly good. That's why yeah. uh,
1: I added it to this week's jumble because I just thought it was in such beautiful shape. Look at that, and the date's at twelve.
0: That's been locked away. Yeah. That's almost that, new
1: old stock.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. How okay. much? So this one's uh it's going for three thousand six forty five. It's great a for a beautiful collector. Piece, great yeah. for a collector. So uh the next one here. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it's a speedy. So we got a professional moonwatch steel in forty two millimeter. Mm. So uh, this one's uh it was retail for five thousand two fifty. This one's going for 3950
1: Can I see the case back? Sure. So, does it say what mission it was? There you go. Flight qualified. Uh, man space missions. Qualified by NASA for all man space missions. The first watch one on the moon. All right. So, that's a reissue and that's sweet. It's still
0: got the tags and everything. Yeah, it's like, brand new. Yeah. yeah. brand new. That one's nice.
1: Me like.
0: So... Oh, here's a Jaeger.
1: Ooh, Jaeger LeCoultre Master Compressor, very nice, GMT no less, in ceramic. Forty six mil, and
0: Big uh, this was retailing for thirteen thousand. Wait for it, it's now
2: 8675
0: mm. mm. It's um, solid case back. Yeah, beautiful piece, and um, it looks like a, it's a leather strap, but it's in the um, it's the ceramic.
1: Look at that beauty, yeah
0: that's nice,
1: mm-hmm,
0: very tidy.
1: nice chronograph
0: and uh okay, so what do we got here? Oh, it's a Rolex yacht master too.
1: Oh, that'd be a nice gift for our dad's seventieth birthday, yeah
0: that is that's, that's a two
1: tone and the yacht is interesting. It has a second time zone on it.
0: it so does. it's got that
1: ten minute regatta thing in the middle, too. See what that see that, that. yeah. Ten minute countdown timer.
0: Yeah, very nice. Mm, I so, like that. All right, so that one was retail for twenty five thousand one hundred and fifty, but,
1: but at elementandtime.com? 21875 com, twenty
0: one eight seventy five. And it's
1: new. It looks like it's brand new. Yeah, nice. Um,
0: so we got a, a Rolex Datejust two in steel,
1: with the green dial,
0: forty one millimeter slate
1: dial, green green Roman do, green Roman numerals on the dial. Yeah. Very nice with a Jubilee bracelet. There's your key. Jubilee bracelet. Not an oyster. Look at that beautiful bracelet. Now, I'm not a big fan of the watch, but I like that bracelet. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: this one looks uh, new as well.
1: Well, as you like to say, tidy.
0: Tidy, yeah. Still has stickers on it. So this one retails for about $7,450. It's um, got to inquire for price for that one. So oh we got a So par. I just threw
1: these in here so you could see the dial work, you know, you were asking me about rose turning. Yeah. That's obviously a rose turned dial. That's hand turned. Look at the beautiful red richness. Click on that uh that's the showpar LUC series 1860 red carpet edition. Beautiful. Next uh tab on the browser. I want you to see the blue dial Patek on this 50 uh mm. this 5205 gold white gold annual calendar with the moon phase. Look at that. Beautiful, right?
0: Wow, they, they've done a beautiful job with that. But even the date here at like at ten o'clock, they've got the day, then they've got the date at twelve o'clock, and then the month at like three at two o'clock. Between yeah, just next to two. It's beautiful. The, the way they've they've kept that all together. Yeah, very nice.
1: And the last one of the day. Uh, I think it's that one. Click on that. Is that the one we're on? That's the one we're all on. All right, that's it. That's okay. It. So, nice. Those were not for sale. I just wanted to bring them up. Now, there's this really interesting article someone sent uh, my way the other day concerning the luxury conglomerate, Richemont. And over the last couple of years, it has destroyed nearly $435 million worth of its designer timepieces. This, to avoid from having said timepieces end up on the gray market, invariably sold at pennies on the dollar prices, which you can imagine upsets the manufacturer. As we've discussed many times on the show, Richemont owns brands like Panerai, Jaja Lecoute, IWC, Vacheron Constantin, Long & Sona, Mont Blanc, Cartier. In just the last year, however, the company has reclaimed and or bought back over 210 million Swiss francs worth of inventory just for Cartier and Mont Blanc. Now, ironically, it was the Richemont chief executive, Richard Lepew who actually initiated the policy at the beginning of 2016. And he described it as uh, an exceptional measure under exceptional circumstances. And he saw the cratering of the Swiss watch industry coming. So Le Pew has since, of course, retired, but his policy is clearly in full force. In fact, the luxury conglomerate took immediate action after large stocks from its wristwatch collections began building up in the display cabinets of the Asian market. Because of the major crackdown on corruption in China and South Korea, where luxury goods such as watches and whiskey, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love how the guy put it. Such a luxury goods such as watches and whiskey had become the currency to curry favor with local officials. Coupled with an international sales slowdown, Richmond was rightly concerned that unsold stock could end up being sold on the gray market. Uh, to unauthorized uh, merchants, thus damaging the brand's image and pricing power. So we'll we'll take a commercial real quick. I guess that's. Got, yeah. yeah. And when we come back I'll, I'll I'll finish this up and then we'll talk about. Our, good. Yeah. We'll be right back.
2: Farmers we make you smarter about your insurance because what you don't know can hurt you. What if you didn't know that taking pictures of your belongings helps when you have a claim? Nice. Or that Farmers offers a policy that'll replace your car with a new one if it's totaled within the first 2 model years. And that parking near a street lamp deters thieves. The more you know, the better you can plan for what's ahead. Talk to Farmers and get smarter about your insurance. We are Farmers. Bum, There is a watchmaking standard that is revered around the world. That standard comes from Rolex. From clasp to bracelet to its unique watertight oyster case, a Rolex holds its value because it was intended to. Crafted from just three precious metals, platinum, steel, and gold, each defies the ordinary. Its steel 904L, virtually indestructible and corrosion resistant, is incomparable. Its patented Everose gold, created in an exclusive foundry, will remain beautiful for life. Inside, a genuine Rolex movement is a product of superiority and remarkable testing. It is unrivaled. At Rolex, flawless standards create more than a watch. They create a value that was meant to endure. For a complete selection of Rolex timepieces, visit your official Rolex jeweler, available at Lux Bond and Green Jewelers, Westport, Greenwich, and other locations throughout Connecticut and Massachusetts, where every box has a story.
0: Rolex, Patek Philippe, Jaeger-LeCoultre, Omega, Cartier, Breguet, and just about any other watch brands that come to mind. This is the Watch Geek Time podcast. <music>
1: Staying with us, this is the watchgeektime.com podcast. We record the show live on Saturdays from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. Pacific time. I am your host and leader of the watch fetish gang, Scott Goldman, on the boards as always is. Hey, it's Jody. So, when I left off, uh, I was talking about how Richmond has been destroying their own watches, and in almost all cases, the watches that have been bought back are dismantled and recycled. So they do take the way break the watches all the way down and scavenge parts and, it's, well they it's do the best much they work can. Already it's, gone, you know, well but that's how they control the how the you know it's how yeah. Rolex does it. Yeah. That's why Rolex has their own stores. And the most recent stockpile of parts and metal are from some of Richmond's specialty brand divisions such as Piaget, IWC and Vacheron Constantine, with the most recent round of buybacks coming from the European market. So basically uh, in the UK where Brexit most certainly played an economic role and the sales turned down, that's uh, why they went back and bought stock, bought back their own inventory. Yeah. Uh, the necessity to buy back its own products in such large quantities has affected the group's stock price. A recent shareholder report revealed that profits rose a poultry 5% or 1.8 billion euros through March 31st of 2018, a performance that disappointed shareholders. Now, keep in mind, the company's been growing at a very nice clip of 11 to 12%, so shareholders saw that cut in half. European stock market analyst John Cox said, for Richmond overall, a messy result. The watch buyback probably hurt the underlying business in the final part of the year, but long-term, the company probably did the right thing in terms of long-term pricing and exclusivity of their brands. It is the timing that is unfortunate, given the current state of the luxury watch market. Now, putting this in perspective, it is a practice Rolex has had in place for many, many years, as I was saying. And if you think about it, Rolex makes like a million watches a year. And in more recent times, they have opened exclusive Rolex boutiques all over the world in an effort to control their inventory and trade partners. While the numbers suggest in this past year, the luxury watch market has begun to recover from a severe downturn, companies like Richemont are under new pressures to exploit digital sales channels and rekindle demand for traditional watches among younger consumers. Now, Swiss watch industry for a long time, Jody, has put off the idea of selling watches from their websites. Right. So obviously, yeah. they, if they want to find younger consumers with their iPhones and Apple watches, uh, this is truly the big challenge for all the brands. Not not just those within the Richmond yeah. portfolio. So anyway, it's something interesting that uh, Richmond to keep control of its high end brands is buying back its own product. Uh, not unheard of. Not unheard of. With that, this week's brand focus is not actually a brand focus. We're going to talk a little bit about the history of Abraham-Louis Breguet and his relationship with one of the architects of the French Revolution, Jean-Paul Marat. I call this a story of I owe you one. (laughs) Now, just want to make sure. For those who didn't know who Jean-Paul Marat was, he was one of the guys who's responsible for taking down the... um, the French, the, the Louis uh, Court, the, the Court of Louis the Fifteenth through mm. the Eighteenth, so they ruled France for a pretty long time over there in Versailles. So, basically, quick little story: Abraham Louis Breguet is, as we all know, arguably the greatest watchmaker that ever lived. His long list of inventions, which of course Jody will take us to in a few minutes, have added to improvements. To the world of accurate timekeeping, including the tourbillon regulator, constant force escapement, etc., uh, amongst other things, one of the things that I think Breguet did that was the coolest was what we called the exclusive Breguet secret signature, which guaranteed the authenticity of his pieces. These monumental developments in watchmaking took place over a 220-year period. Ago. Let me say that again. These things took place 220 years ago. Many of his inventions are still in use today, and if not for the many time-keeping problems Breguet so adeptly solved during his lifetime, many more lives most certainly could have been lost to the likes of crashing trains and boats, etc., not to mention that these same monumental developments took place after the end of the French Revolution it's very important to know that Breguet did his best work after the revolution after the French yeah. Revolution now as history would have it Breguet was not only the horlogerie de roi which means the watchmaker to the king he was the personal watchmaker to Marie Antoinette Hence the Marie Antoinette watch, very famed watch. Briguet was also a French citizen and the leader of his National Guard unit. Now, each, each division of a National Guard had its own center guard, and his was called Le Pont Neuf, and the Le Pont Neuf was called to guard the center of the town, and at the end of 1792... This was really just as the revolution was gaining serious momentum. So he was in charge of a small brigade that would keep the uh, township safe. Yeah. When the Montagnard shit hit the Girondin fan, and I'm going to get to Montagnard and Girondin in a little bit here, Brigade was on the wrong side of the political fence. He was a member of the Jacobins. And he probably could have been executed, but... In 1793, at the age of 46, instead of 76, along with his sister-in-law and son, he was allowed to get out of the country. Now, it's very lucky, and I mean very lucky, that one of the great inventions of Abraham Louis Breguet, which is the tourbillon, might never have happened had it not been for one guy, Jean-Paul Marat. So Jean-Paul Marat actually used his political clout to get... Breguet out of the country. So let me say that again. He could have been executed in 1793 at the age of 46 instead of when he actually died at 76. So the story begins actually in 1790 when Marat and Breguet were friends and not political rivals. They were actually friends. And following his written attacks on the king and the finance minister in January of 1790, warrants had been issued for Jean-Paul Marat's arrest. So he went into hiding. He would sleep in different places each night, and one night it was discovered Marat was staying in a house in the French countryside in what's known as the Rue Grenata. Uh, A frenzy mob had gathered outside chanting, down with Marat, kill Marat, hang Marat. The situation got extremely serious. But lucky for him, Marat was actually quite short in stature and not very attractive which allowed Breguet to disguise him as an old woman. And Breguet actually snuck Marat out through the shrieking crowd on his arm, pretending it was his mom. (laughs) Marat would escape to London safely and later write to Breguet a letter that, that's basically thanked him And the letter closed with, I hope to see you again soon. I embrace you with all my heart, your friend Marat. Now, When the French Revolution spiraled into disorder and slaughter shortly thereafter, the two friends found themselves on opposite sides of the political fence. Remember, Breguet, who had put all of his hopes into the revolution, now found himself crushed by it. He was the watchmaker to the king. By this time, the architect of the revolution was confined to a medicinal bath. So it it was interesting to Jean-Paul Marat, who would end up, pulling political strings, allowing Breguet to get his family out to Switzerland was living in a bathtub because his skin was so screwed up and he had constant headaches. Now, things were a bit touch and go. So Jean-Paul did call in some favors and did get Breguet and and his sister-in-law. By the way, Breguet's wife had passed away already. So it was his sister-in-law who was raising Breguet's son, Antoine. Things were a bitch-touch-and-go for Breguet because uh, shortly thereafter, Marat was assassinated by Charlotte Corday, and Breguet hadn't gotten his uh, passports yet, so he was really scared. Finally, towards the end of 1793, Breguet escaped about three days before what has come to be known as the Reign of Terror. Now, the reign Reign of Terror in 1793... Lasted for almost a year and claimed over forty thousand lives. It's considered one of the bloodiest revolutions of all time, uh-huh. like the Seine ran red. Yeah, you know. Uh, but anyways, that's a just a great piece of watchmaking history. I, I think it's interesting. Had there been no briget, Jean Marat doesn't Jean Paul Marat doesn't get out of the house that night. Yeah, and if there's no Jean. Paul Marat, Breguet actually doesn't get out of Paris and get to Switzerland, and we may have never had the tourbillon. Mm. Maybe there'd have been another solution, but I just thought it was interesting. Any questions?
0: Uh, No, but I think it would just be fascinating how he would have to uproot his workshop, his tooling and everything. He left it all behind. So that means he had to start over again.
1: In the 5th District, right behind what is known as uh, de Nord, the train station, huh. okay. where the best light in the city was. Hey, we like telling little stories like that <laughs> on the WatchGeekTime.com podcast. We're going to step aside and we're going to let some commercials run in. And, and when we get back, Jody's going to talk about Brigade's inventions, right, Jody?
2: Yeah. Be right back. At Farmers, we've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything, even a UFH2O.
0: That's not good. That's not good.
1: That's really not good.
2: It happened August 14th, 2008, and we covered it. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum.
0: This is the Watch Geek Time Podcast.
2: Time's ticking away.
0: Time keeps ticking away.
1: Now, welcome back to Watch Geek Time. I am your in-house watch geek, Scott Goldman's my sidekick, as always is. Uh, It's Jody. So, Jody, uh, let's dig right into these really cool inventions by our man Breguet. Yeah,
0: yeah. So he's the the first one in 1780. He was working on the uh, self-winding mechanism.
1: So as I understand the story, Parallet came to him and said, hey, Louis, look at this. And he couldn't get it to work. And then it was (laughs) Brigade who figured out. That's
0: right. And uh, so it was for the invention of a system that was reliable and effective and oscillating weight.
1: Yeah, so you can see that big thing. Yeah,
0: and uh, which responded to the wearer's movements and ordinary walking. But they would have been in pocket watches back then too, just in a pocket.
1: So it just would have been moving back and forth.
0: Yeah. The oscillating weight sprung so that it returned to its original position after each movement, pushed up by two going barrels, stopping when the springs were fully depressed. So it would have been like a, a one-way action. Right, and it would have gone... Would have ch-pa, ch-pa. And didn't Omega, in their earlier... Uh, versions have a similar sort of a one-way system. Yeah, they had a, like a,
1: a, a, it's almost like the way that the, it's called a bumper. That's right. Yeah, the the, the bumper thing comes bumping through. What else we got there?
0: Okay, so this one, the Gong Spring. So I'll just pull it up here. And that was in 1783. And uh, this one, uh, right, so from an early...
1: The gong spring. So, uh, yeah. so, actually, it's another parallel invention, the the repeater, but he invented the spring that they actually, the hammers bang into. Right. Looks like a ring.
0: Yeah. And um, mm. initially, uh, uh, I'm just, just reading it here. Initially, uh, recliner liner in form and mount crosswise on the back plate. The gong spring was soon coiled up around the movement. It had the advantage of considerably, considerably reducing the thickness of the striking watches, while at the same time uh, making the tone more harmonious and and discreet. <laughs> brigade. What else we got yeah. there? Yeah. So. The other one here, we've got uh, a, seventeen eighty three, the brigade hands.
1: The brigade hands, which are obvious brigade hands, they have the little circles on the ends. Yeah. What's next there?
0: The next one's the equation of time that was 1785.
1: Uh, now figure this one out. So in 1785, Breguet figured out a way to indicate the equation of time. Pretty good. Yeah, I can see it there on the
0: um the illustration there. You can see the shape of it there. But in 19 oh sorry, 1790, 1790,
1: we got oh. the parachute so keep in mind, these are all inventions during the the French Revolution.
0: And they're only a few years apart.
1: Only a few years yeah. apart. Now, the parachute's very important because people kept dropping their timepieces. And he was like, oh, my God, I got to keep fixing these things?
0: And th- so that would keep the balance wheel in check. Correct. So It, it gave it mean, a
1: little place to parachute to, land softly, and then return to its position.
2: Right. Yeah,
0: That's incredible. Yeah. Um, 1795 so five years later the perpetual calendar
1: all right so he's now in switzerland for two years and he invents the perpetual calendar incredible
0: Uh, yes and so the same year he came up with the uh, balance spring
1: so the breguet balance spring is what most watches to this day use the breguet curved balance spring it's how the balance spring connects to the oscillator wheel how many? What year was that? 1793 also? 17,
0: 95, 1795.
1: 1795. So two year. years, three years in Switzerland at this point. And then what do we got?
0: So then we got like six years, and then he came up with the tourbillon.
1: That's when it changed.
0: Revolutionary.
1: Re- absolutely revolutionary. The tourbillon. And the tourbillon com- compensated for gravity's pulling on the mainspring.
0: I'd love to see if the, the, the Brigade Museum, if they have some of these original...
1: Oh, they do. I went to the show with Jonathan and his wife Jamie up in San Francisco and they had an amazing display. Wow! They even had the Marie Antoinette. (laughs) It's pretty insane. I'll show you pictures of
0: it. Yeah. So in 1810, so uh, nine years later. So now
1: we're getting to his son, who's Antoine, not Abraham, but Antoine invented the wristwatch.
0: Yeah. This one's uh, the first wristwatch. Um, Then 1820, so 10 years later, the chronograph.
1: Breguet's family and his son Antoine invented the chronograph.
0: And obviously meanwhile through all this they they're, they're uh, fine tuning the other devices like the uh, Turbion and all those you all can that imagine stuff they're consistently better. working on. it. Yeah. So and then we've got a big gap but 2006.
1: Well now the tradition of the company is bringing it on by using silicium parts and
0: Yeah. The escape wheel and lever in silicon.
1: And as you know, they've got the super ultra-fast chronograph that runs at 10 hertz oh, yeah. and screaming, yeah, yeah. screaming fast. So.
0: And then they've got the uh, 2010, and we were talking about this. This is the magnetic pivot.
1: Which is interesting because, as we all know, magnetism is the enemy of the watches. Yeah. So yeah. the pivot being magnetic means that it's going to get the exact same impulse every time, and it's still mechanical. And the last one? The
0: last one's the Magnetic Strike Governor.
1: So that talks about how the Magnetic Striker, the you can see it there in the picture, hmm. notice that it's almost like a remontoire where it conditions the power from the oscillator and then releases it by way of a magnet. Yeah, so these it's are the magnets ridiculous. around there. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous, <laughs> right? Hey, go to Breguet.com or brigade.ch and go to inventions. You'll see some cool stuff. Jody, what are your shout outs?
0: Oh, i okay. um, Barry, George, um, Josue and, um, and Ed
1: today and Judy and Judy. Yeah. Hi Judy. Watch geek shout out to Roman down under Roman's going to help me resurrect the Martin Braun brand. I can feel it. The neighbors, Ken and Tom, Susan and Jamie, John and David, will and Alicia, April, Andy and Trudy and Florence. Big shout out to Chris and Arun, who I think are still at One Source, but I'm not sure. Antoine Macedo, and you know Jonathan and Jamie were just visiting Antoine a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, they got some good stuff. Uh, Antoine is the top watch shop in Paris. George, Diane, and Dylan. George, when are you coming in? Out there, <laughs> out there in Woodland Hills. The high-tech Texan, my San Diego friends, Tim and Jenna, Richard and Austin, my brother Adam, my buddy Bernie, and his lovely wife Sue out there in Westlake. Of course, my Uncle Don, who loves those McGreddy watches, which Jody's going to tell us about next week. Mm-hmm. Last but not least, thanks to my watch geek wingman. you welcome, man. Jody! Yeah. I also should thank our sponsors, Element in Time, Farmers Insurance and our announcer, David. Spassi, but it's Sergei, our webmaster. It's a conversation about heritage history and why we're hooked on horology. It's the WatchGeekTime.com podcast. And until next week, bye-bye!